When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Electric cars are normal now. Most can go over 200 miles on a single charge, with many going up to 500 miles of range. And there are electric vehicle charging stations all across the country. Electric cars, they're normal now. Learn more about electric cars at a National Drive Electric Week event near you this September 23rd through October 2nd. Find out more at driveelectricweek.org. Hi, welcome to Pod Aruni episode it's Padarune. Well, if you hear something in the background, a noise, that's my son playing guitar and singing. Well, I'm back from New York. Uh, I was there for 10 days. Not just New York, I was in Pittsburgh and Toronto as well. I got back on Sunday. I uh, had a great time in New York. I did a gig in Manhattan, did another in Pittsburgh, and I did another in the Bronx. Uh, initially I went over to do a gig in Toronto and I had one in Boston but it was cancelled well, I had to cancel it because my flight out of Toronto was cancelled due to fog and I just couldn't make it so that's a pity but um, the highlight of the trip definitely was the gig in Manhattan in the Village Underground which is part of the Comedy Cellar as well and the Comedy Cellar is where uh, you say uh, Louis C.K. goes into the Comedy Cellar on his sitcom at the beginning Um yeah, it was an amazing night. I did a 50-minute set. There was a couple of musicians who were there, intro and every act as they came on, and a keyboard player and a drummer, and I jammed with them as well. It was fucking brilliant. Yeah, it was just an amazing gig, and to do that in Manhattan just felt great. Uh, but there was a lot of acts on on the night, and one of them was uh, Colin O'Regan did it as well, actually, from Ireland. And another act, Malachi McCourt, doing his first ever stand-up gig at the age of 80. Two, and he was amazing. He's he's the brother of Frank McCord who, who wrote Angela's Ashes. Um, he was amazing. He was so controversial, considering it was St Patrick's Day. He uh, he called St Patrick's St Patrick a bloody Englishman who ruined a good pagan country. And uh, yeah, he was really amazing. And uh, I arranged to um, go up to his apartment on the Saturday and uh, interview him with my little. A Zoom recorder, which I'm recording on here. Um, so we went up to his apartment, uh, met him and his lovely wife, Diana. They made us feel very at home in their apartment and we proceeded to have a really good chat. So uh, enjoy it. Paddy's night as well. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That was a great one. Very uh, uh, controversial to uh, have a go at St. Patrick on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Well, it, uh, yeah, it really amuses me that uh, it, the, 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 the conservative positions are so funny on 
this this rigidity mm. that of a of a people that have been oppressed by conservatism for eight hundred years, and they're embracing it, you know. And it it, it um, A. E. George uh, George Russell, mm. he said, "You eventually become the thing you hate the most," and that's the Irish. Uh, they're they're so. Not all of them, you know, but it's. Uh, but you get the Hannitys, the O'Reillys, and the, this guy Ryan, that was the vice president under Romney. And it astounds me that they can really embrace everything that Margaret Thatcher stands for. Do you think that the Irish Americans are more conservative than the Irish? Oh, oh yeah, 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 there's no doubt about that, Joe, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's um, it's that thing of a trying to be assimilate mm. and be as quickly. It, it, conversely, when I, I was born here, and I remember that when we had to when when my sister died there in Brooklyn and my mother had the breakdown and my father was on the sauce. But we were, we, we had that flight to Ireland. We, you know, we just packed up, people gave us money, because my mother was not recovering. Oh, so you, you uh, uh, went from Brooklyn back to Ireland? That's yes. when you were, th- were three, was it? Three, yeah, yeah about yeah. three and a half. Yeah. And I do remember it, oddly enough, because, of course, we went by ship then, because mm. that was from the 30s. About 1934, and there was Frank, myself, and the twins, Eugene and Oliver, and my father and mother. So, I remember being on the ship, and uh, the sailors used to give me bread and jam, because <laughs> I, I knew a song, had come back, Paddy Riley. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. When you were three? When I was three, yeah. yeah. Some, I don't know how I learned it, but I did. And, uh, but I remember going, being in Ireland and uh, and I, apparently I was very talkative fella. Really? That, yeah. that surprised me. Can you imagine me? that? So of course here we are and, and they used to give us bloody hell about the Yanks and uh, because we, we were we were Yanks and so here we are with American accents over there and so yeah. so you very rapidly get out of that and adopt the whatever the local accent whatever the local accent is and of course uh, you know how it is in Ireland that you can tell where somebody is from uh, my father was from the north of Ireland you see and my mother was from Limerick and and Limerick has uh, certain areas you could always tell slum people which we were I've uh, over the years I've had to modify, but the way they speak is is it, it, it fascinates me. I was with um, I was with Bill Whelan the other day. Mm. We had lunch and uh, we were joking about uh, Limerick. Yeah? Come here, I want you. <laughs> Come here, let me tell you now. Come in out of that, you dirty looking thing! I'll break your face if you don't come in. <laughs> 
That's the way. That's that Limerick accent. Yeah. Standing there on the streets and then say soldiers watching you, looking at your body with lust in their hearts. You who flag hopping, bunting, strap of a three pocket. I'll break your face. I'll break your countenance. <laughs> and dim your body a temple of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> fascinates me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, of course, you have the Kerry accent and the mm. Cork accent and the mm. Dublin Jackines. How long did how long did you stay then back in Limerick? How long were you there? Uh, I was there until I was twenty. Yeah. Yeah, almost. And, yeah, twenty. And your father was what was he working at? He didn't work much. No, he didn't work. <laughs> That's right. I read the book here. He just thought that uh, that work was. Uh, punishment for sin mm. but he, no actually when he did get work he was one of those he was a little guy mm. uh, not much uh, fat on him at all but he um, but he had the drink problem yeah uh, he was a very nice man actually he never abused us mm -hmm. but uh, and then he left when we were about eight I think he went to England they say he got the Irish divorce he disappeared Mm. But that was that was bad. I mean, he yeah, he was alcoholic. Oh, right. No doubt about that. And was he? Were your mother and father religious? Not particularly. Oh. No, oh. my father was. Yeah, uh, but it was that kind of fake thing. He ritual, uh, saying the rosary and attend to your religious duties. But there was a whole lot of religion, but very little spirituality. Yeah, in that sense. But you went to Mass every Sunday. It, oh, absolutely, yeah. Say your prayers, mm. obey your parents, all that sort of mm. uh, routine, respectable crap that went <laughs> on. But don't, uh, but don't send money. You know, that was very sad. Yeah, and did you uh, uh, have run-ins with the church then from an early age? Or I'll tell you, Joe, um, my first... Cognizance of the, the, some of the, the hypocrisy or some of the the, the, the tyranny of, of what I call ecclesiastical terrorism was we were our lane was back of uh, St. Joseph's Church and the priest used to come down and our slum was on the left and so they would walk and go right into the sacristy to put on the dresses and things for mass, mm. and but and they rarely talked to us because we were not great contributors to Holy Mother Church. But one day a priest came down. He must have been a new curate or something, and we were playing around. I was about seven or eight, mm. and he stopped and sort of very benignly said. Uh, what would you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the kids were saying, I'd be an engine driver, pal. And what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be a bus driver. You know, that kind of thing. And then he turned to me and he said, what are you going to be when you grow up? <clears throat> and I said, uh, I'm going to go to America, father. What? He said, I'm going to go to America. What are you going to that country for? Because I want to go there, father. 
He said, that's a pagan country. It's full of sin. You will lose your immortal soul. It's a horrible, dreadful place. No place for a good Catholic. And he said, do no more. If God had wanted you, wanted you to be in America, he'd have put you there. When I was born there, Father, his face got so red and I could see his hands twitching. And I thought, this guy's going to strangle me. Because yeah. he never expected that in a slum in Limerick there was somebody who had been to America mm. like me. Mm. And that was my thought. What is wrong with that man? Why wouldn't he want to? I remember thinking that. And uh, I was only about seven or eight, but I remember that was my first little inkling of that they, they are not all, they're not omnipotent and all of that. They want the poor to be kept in their place, didn't they? Yeah. 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 I, I, um, and then, and of course, the, the poverty leaves you with such a, a feeling of bloody, it's not, there's a difference between being poor and, 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 and poverty, right? Poverty itself is a disease, right? Because it leaves you bereft mm. of hope, of dignity, most of all. <clears throat> no feelings of, uh, of 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 being worth anything, and you you're and you know you're you're you have nothing to look up to or anything because it leaves you with a looking down all the time, mm. darkness. And I think also um, I I I think uh, that you you don't get the nutrition you need. You know the kid. Mental and spiritual nutrition. Huh? Mental and spiritual. Mental, right, and 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 uh, and material, mm. and so um, I was bloody stupid in school. I I I couldn't. Embarrassingly enough, the batteries went in my recorder. Um, and I had to stop the interview for a bit while Maliki went to get some batteries. It was very embarrassing, but I think my recorder had actually accidentally gone on a few times while I was carrying it in my bag. Um, but he was kind enough to go and look for some batteries, and he was, he was fine about it, and uh, we carried on later. I just say, if there's somebody else talking in the interview as well, that's Bruce Igar, who who's a great man who put on the gig in Manhattan and in the Bronx, and it was just a brilliant show. And he, I stayed with him and his wife in the Bronx, his wife Kate and their daughter Fanula, and uh, they're just lovely people, and they, they, the hospitality was fantastic. And he was a great man. He put on this excellent show in the Village Underground in Manhattan on St. Patrick's Night. So I'd like to thank you, Bruce. Thanks for bringing me over as well. Um, OK, we'll enjoy the rest of the interview. A movie there with Liam Neeson. Yeah. And you got a royalty check for one penny. One penny. Jesus. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what film was that, you know? Huh? What film was that? 
It was a thing, oh, a dreadful film. Yeah. Oh, it was so fucking awful. Oh, was it the one where... It was called Afterlife. Oh, no, I never saw this. Yeah. 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 I don't think anybody did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I look it up now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was playing uh, an undertaker, and I was doing a preacher, preaching job. Mm. He's a lovely guy. He's yeah. A, he's a lovely guy, yeah. Very fond of him. Um, so... So we'll, we'll, uh, what you were saying, basically, uh, poverty, you actually, because of lack of nutrition, you can't concentrate in school or it makes you... Yeah, oh, right, uh, right. Well, the nutrition, I, I, I believe that. I think it, yeah. it, it accounts for lack of uh, how kids and poor, poor kids don't do well do in well. school, yeah. right? And also, so anyway, I couldn't get it. Uh, the intricacies of uh, of grammar and punctuation and all of that totally escaped me, mm-hmm. and I have. Uh, but I, I, what I learned early, uh, Joe, was that uh, I learned to read before I went to school, yeah. and I always loved that. And my dream, well, my, my dream was to have a whole bunch of books and have electric light. And to be able to read in bed, and that was it. But I failed. I failed the primary certificate, which we used to take at twelve. I don't, I don't think they have it anymore. Uh, no, there's a maybe an entrance exam to get into school, but it's not really an exam. It's get just into a, secondary school, is it? Yeah, but yeah. it's not really a. Uh, you you have you won't be refused to school. I don't yeah. Think. yeah. So I failed that, and so I left. Um, I wasn't supposed to leave, but I did. Uh, and I got a I got a job as a messenger boy. I was about thirteen. So so you left school then at at that age. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. at thirteen. I did, yeah. And it was, um, and there was always that feeling inside of lacking that mm. that, that I was uh, that I was not uh, <laughs> a worthwhile person because I didn't have an education. And that was reinforced so many times by people saying, "Well, you're, you have your." It was almost like the, the Brits, and the, the, you have your station in life. And so it, it, it left, left me a long time, you know. But I think my father the same thing. He had to leave early, and uh, he was left-handed as well, and he wasn't allowed right with his left hand. Oh, he used yeah. to hit him on the right. arm. So then, he was never a good writer. After that, he found it hard to write because he was using his wrong hand. He, was, he, he couldn't write with either hand properly. Which is That's shocking, isn't it? Yeah, it's terrible. Because yeah. there was, a, 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 I think, the Latin for left is sinister. That's right, sinister, yeah. And so uh, that would, and that there was the devil uh, pro, pro, uh, guided people who wrote with the left hand. Yes. Yeah, that was there was that kind of bullshit went on over there. Yeah. Uh, Superstitions die hard. Yeah. They're so ingrained and uh, they're in called people. a kitoke in Irish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. So you worked as a messenger boy then from. I did, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I, uh, when I was about fifteen, I went to England, and uh, I went to work as a. Uh, a houseboy in a Benedictine school oh, yeah. up in Derby, Derbyshire. And then I 
didn't stay there, but I was stayed there about eight months, and then I went down to Coventry, and I started working in factories, and I was a, I was a stoker in the Coventry gasworks, <laughs> shoveling coal all night long into these huge furnaces, you know. At what age were you then? I was uh, not quite sixteen. Wow. Yeah, it was it was very hard work, but uh, I I. Uh, yeah, but, I, but but the main thing about it was that I was getting paid. I never I was getting about uh, five or six quid a week, which I had never seen that kind of money. Because my mother was getting thirteen and sixpence a week from the dispensary, and we get five bob a month from St Vincent de Paul, and a bag of turf, and our rent was um, six shillings a week. And we were evicted because we couldn't pay that. Mm. So was a. Uh, but I don't know. You, you keep. You get. You get a. You get a sense of. I always had an optimistic view of things, and I always kept a view and I said, "Okay, I can. I have an advantage, which was." I was born in America. I was very well aware of that. And that gave you that confidence. I, I'm going to get out of here. Mm. Yeah. Because that was the light for me. That was the beacon up there. Keep an eye on that and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and would so, you have uh, American citizenship then? You would You would have had that. I had it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no bother. Yeah. So, uh, so that, so Frank went and got a uh, an American passport from the consulate, mm. which was in Cork at the time, and then I got one, and I came, and he was gone to, in the army, so I was on my own. I mean, I, I've met some people and all that, but it's been a great journey. Yeah, and you, so yeah, that's twenty when you were twenty. You yeah, yeah. So from sixty-three, you worked in England then up to then, was it? Oh, I, did, I worked in England uh, for a few years. Mm. Uh, from the age of sixteen up to fifteen, up to up to about uh, eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, I went back to Ireland. Yeah, and then I went to work there for the Jesuits yeah. and uh, as a houseboy. Yeah, and then I came here when I was twenty. Okay. Yeah. What was it like being Irish in England then? Back then, it was pretty interesting. There was I lived on a I was living in a boarding house where there were twenty four other Irish guys and they were all labourers and mostly all manual labour. Mm-hmm. And on the street itself, Cope Street, I'll never forget the name, it was mm-hmm. quite by Coventry Cathedral. This was 1947. Mm-hmm. And they, that had been bombed. Oh yeah, Coventry yeah, was badly, badly bombed. Badly bombed, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were still rebuilding, you know, was still only two years after the war. But uh, on Cope Street they had Signs which said "Rooms to let, no Irish or dogs." Sit it on the fucking windows. Can you imagine that? Jesus. No Irish or dogs. Oh no, not English, but very polite people. Please, <laughs> <laughs> be fucking please, Jesus. I thought, aren't they nice? <laughs> yeah. No Irish or dogs, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Yeah, doesn't Richard Harris tell a story about seeing that sign in a? Uh, Behind the glass case in London, and he smashed the glass and pulled yeah. the sign. 
threw it away. Well, he, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, I, we used to have, I mean, I got to, I got to know him here. Yeah? Uh, I mean, I knew him in Limerick, but... Oh, did you? you yeah, mean, yeah. Before he set off to oh, act, yeah, his acting yeah, career. Yeah, we, he played rugby for Old Crescent, and I played rugby for uh, Bohemian. So oh. we didn't. Uh, uh, but anyway, he was upper class, so we were lower class. Right. And uh, so we, uh, we 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 didn't meet there, but we met here in uh, nineteen nineteen fifty eight, and uh, yeah, I did uh, two movies with him. Uh, the Molly Maguire's and the field. I did the field mm. over there. And did, well, how did you get on with him? We got along quite well. We had a we had well, we had a good friendship, but then we fell out, and uh, he took uh, a watch fell out over. Well, he he th he criticised Frank. He said Limerick wasn't like that at all. Said he, and I had once taken him to the to the slum where we lived mm -hmm. and he said Jesus I know because we had there's there's the back door you know the oh, house. Right, yes. yeah. and that's the school Leamy School which is now the yeah. Frank McCourt Museum oh, in Limerick but he yeah. said he said that Limerick was mine and I took him I showed him where I lived and everything you know because we were Jeez, he said, I never, never knew that places like this existed. I said, well, you were uh, upper class. <laughs> we were poor. Mm. We, didn't, we, we didn't have uh, all the advantages you had. And it was after that that he said that Frank had exaggerated or was it? He said, uh, he went Frank wrote Angela's Ashes. Yeah. He said uh, that uh, wasn't like that at all, you know, and... Limerick, he was doing a disgrace, disservice to Limerick, and so on and so forth. So, anyway, so we fell out, and then I was sorry about that because we'd been friends for a good number of years. We had lots of adventures, and when he um, he was married to Elizabeth Elizabeth uh, Reese Williams, her father was Lord Ogmore. He was kind of bit, bit snobby in a way. He always mentioned about been married in the House of Lords and stuff like that when he married Elizabeth. Mm. But anyway, when he rang me up and he said to me one day, he said, will you come come over, he said, to London? Uh, I need your help. And I said, I can't be running to fucking London like that. I, I can't afford that country. He said, there's a ticket at the airport for you. I did it with VOAs, with British Airways. V.O.S. Mm. I said, what is it all about? He said, I'll tell you when you get here. So anyway, uh, I packed up and, and went over. What it was is he was getting divorced. And he had to go to divorce court. And then he was going to do uh, <laughs> a honeymoon without a bride. So he wanted me and a couple of other guys to go on this trip, he, he mm. rented a a jet, one of the jets. Really? Yeah. So I arrive over there anyway, and there's a um, uh, couple of writer. I can't think of his name right. He's quite a well-known writer. And Connery, Sean Connery was there, but, he, but Sean wasn't coming. 
He said, well, uh, that's not for me, Chris. <laughs> You're all crazy. Fucking Irish. I'd be dead. <laughs> so, this um, would involve a fair bit of drinking, I'd imagine. Huh? This trip would involve a bit oh, of drinking. Oh, that's what it was, yeah. So we took off from London and uh, we went to Paris. We went to Stockholm. We went to Denmark. We went to Jesus. We went to Rome. Flying, yeah, brown, you know. And lots of, uh, yes, not Drink. good things were done on and that trip. Was there women involved as well? Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. Pickups all around the place. So, anyway, um, what happened then? Oh, then I, if he said, Where do you want to go? And I said, I want to go to Leningrad. So we took off from, uh, I think it was Stockholm, um, but the, the, Ru the Russians wouldn't give us permission to land in Leningrad. So we turned, I said, so well, let's go to Shannon then. So we went to Shannon and went to Tortinelli's and a couple of places and then I came home and there I was. Jeez. I was like a mad, insane week, I think it was, or 10 days. Oh, Jesus. So anyway, mm. that was, uh, you know, so, you know, I was pretty, we were pretty good friends mm. over the years. But I was sorry, you know. And then, uh, after he criticized Frank and so forth, and I, then I saw he had cancer. He was in the hospital. And I happened to be in London. I went to London and I thought I should go and see him. Mm. And so I said, ah, no, it's not serious. Uh. But the bloody booker died, you know. <laughs> People shouldn't do that <laughs> before you can make up and all mm. that. So that's now my I am now making up with people, and uh, yeah. And Oscar Wilde said, "Forgive your enemies; it annoys them." So I'm forgiving everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me, when you arrived to New York uh, 20, what what did you do? What immediately? I had met some people on the boat, mm. and because uh, I came by ship, the America, I think it was the, probably. I think the second, uh, second last voyage of that. That was in June of uh, 1952. So these folks uh, gave me a job. The woman, she was working for the city and she was supervisor of hospitals somewhere over in a place called Welfare Islands called Roosevelt Island now. Mm. So I got a job as a dishwasher. Mm. And uh, that was pretty good. And then... Um, I got. I was going to be drafted into the service because the Korean Korean War was on, mm. so I fooled them. I joined the airport, and I got stationed in England. Yeah, and yeah. Went back there. So I was there for a few years, and then came back, and then uh, came out. And then I worked on the docks and uh, loading trucks, all manual labor mm. and all that kind of thing. And then one night, I, I used to go to, I loved going to the theatre, so I went to theatre. Were you writing at that time? Oh, no, no. 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 Not at all. No, I didn't think I, again, you know, that thing, Joe, the, 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 I didn't think I could do anything. Mm. You know, I was uh, uneducated, uh, illiterate, practically, uh, although I was a reader or not, but I didn't think I had any, anything like that in me at all. Mm. And you didn't. We didn't get any encouragement from uh, uh, the the one thing that 
What was about? There was a, a job, a couple of jobs in Limerick, which was a lot of horses there at the time. And there were about three jobs where the fellas just go around with a big barrel on wheels mm. and pushing them. They give you a white coat and a big brush and a shovel. And you shovel the horse shit. And you got that job. It was a corporation job. And it was a steady, constant job. And you could start working when you were 15. And then when you were 65, you could retire on pension after shoveling horses all your life. And everybody thought, that's a great job, right? It's not very hard, and you get a pension. Yeah. I was thinking, what kind of aspirations would you have to have shoveling horses for 50 years mm. with the idea of a pension? How long would you last? <laughs> so anyway, that was that kind of thinking, you know. Yeah. Permanence and... And security, they would think. So, um, so you didn't write. So, uh, so I didn't write. No, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. So but you I did start acting. Oh, did you? Yeah. What age was that then? Uh, I was uh, about twenty-four. I think. All right. Yeah. I wandered into the theatre, and yeah. uh, I used to go to the theatre. So there was a group called the Irish Players. They were an off-Broadway group. And um, so I saw the show. They were doing three one acts by sing, mm -hmm. and I went in. I saw the show, and then I walked down the street, and I thought, "Jesus, it'd be great to be an actor." So the body turned me around. And I went back into the theatre. You know how one small move can change your life. Yeah. And I walked in, and there was a guy there. His name was Donald McNamara. He was putting up a poster, and I said, could I speak to the boss, said I. I didn't know what the terms were. Yeah. Director, producer, they were all foreign to me. He said, well, I'm the producer. Oh, I said, can I join your group? I he said, what? I said, can I join your group? What for? I said, to be an actor. Oh, he said, do you have any experience? Oh, I wouldn't need it. I said, I'm Irish. <laughs> Who's this fucker? <laughs> the cheek of me. Yeah. Think about anyway, he said, do you have any pictures? And I said, you know, figuring he was Irish, he'd take the joke. I said, I have an autograph, autograph picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in my wallet. And he's giving me this look. All right, he said, can you read for us? And I said, sure. <laughs> so I thought it was a literacy test. Mm. So the following Sunday, I read for them. And there was a guy leaving the cast who was my age. Mm. So they put me in. And uh, I'd never been on the stage, but... Uh, and what was the play? It was three, three one acts by Singh. All right. Tinker's Wedding, Shadow of the Glen, and um, oh, what was the third one? Very famous Singh play, Riders of the Sea. All right. Yeah. Beautiful, lovely. I mean, I was so enchanted by the words, you know. I always did love words. And uh, what was it like then, first time on stage? Oh, it was terrific. Mm. Jesus, I couldn't get over oh, mm. the feeling of uh, of people just hanging on your words. It give you that feeling mm. of power. And then they did another play. They did uh, Playboy of the Western World. Mm. And that... Jesus, that ran for a year. 
a whole year. And what, then what happened was, very strange, uh, some guys, some guys, some guy that I met, oh, yeah, I should go down around the corner to a bar mm. that was in the neighborhood bringing audience with me. So I met this guy named uh, Tom O'Malley, and he said he was a he was a talent booker for uh, for a television show, and he'd like to put me on it. And I said, okay, I didn't know. Again, it was the Tonight Show, which was the big thing on NBC. Yeah. So I said, okay. So anyway, I got uh, he put me on that, and I got absolutely fucking legless. I could barely stand up. Before? Before yeah, while I was on, going on there, you know? Yeah? Trench, Jesus. Uh, the night, it was, it was New Year's Day, actually, that I went on, 19. So I staggered on, and they used to review the show at the time. At that time, some people used to review. So the whole thing was the next day, there was this, the, the Irish actor, whatever it was, and they the said I was hilarious. <laughs> I was and they were fucking laughing and everything, and I couldn't remember <laughs> what it was. I'm wow, so, you know, so that's something else. So I kind of, I mean, and I was so. And then that, then guys came to me. Uh, it's uh, the guy, the guy that owned that bar said to me, "If you're going to bring these fucking people in here, get them behind the bar and serve them." I said, "Okay." Mm. So I got behind the bar every night after the show, and he paid me. So now I'm making money getting paid from the show, making money, doing that. Now I'm getting television gigs as well. Wow. The world suddenly changed for me. Then these guys came to me and said, how about opening up your own bar? Yeah. I said, well, right. well we'll finance it. And I said, okay. So we opened up this bar. Well, the keys on third Jesus. And fucking people were lined up. But that, to get in there. So you were a really big name then? You must oh, have been. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus, I was huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get over it. And they used to line up and, and uh, you know, it was, it was just astounding what happened. Wow. Here I'd landed with $4 in my pocket. Now a few years later, I'm back and, you know, big deal and all that. And what were you doing on television? What were you recycling? I'm talking and yeah. telling stories and I don't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> So they, they would, well, then, then I started doing parts, you know, as well. On TV. On TV, yeah. yeah. Like Billy Bod and uh, mm. You Can't Go Home Again, The Dane Curse and so forth. But, you know, drama. drama. Mm. So I pretended I was an actor. And that was, I got away with it for for quite a long time. Yeah, Is there any footage of that the stuff you did in Tonight Show? Around? Oh, no, no. No, unfortunately, that there was no... At that mm. time, it was Kinney, Kinescope, and yeah. they destroyed all of them at uh, NBC. Yeah, that was oh. a shame. But there's a lot of stuff on uh, mm. on uh, YouTube and all that kind I'm of stuff. I'm going to have to look. Yeah, there's all of that. <laughs> yeah. So is this, like, so you're a full-time actor or, or a bar owner? Which is, is there both? Is I was, uh, I became, uh, I became a full-time saloon keeper. Not really mm. full-time. Mm. But the, the acting and all of that, and then I was doing the radio show. Yeah, I did that, and I had a television show for about, about uh, for a few months. But they fired me from that. Mm. But a lot of uh, why did they fire you? Huh? Why did they fire you? Uh, mm. They were. They, it was a right wing station, mm. 
and my, you know, I'm to the left of Karl Marx, so mm. it. Uh, and I was in, um, I was in Dublin, at the Shelburne. One day, and uh, after that show, after I got fired from that, and uh, a guy was at the bar, and he said, "You're McCourt." And I said, "That I am." He said, uh, "You know uh, why you got fired from your TV show?" Jesus, this is peculiar. In Dublin, somebody's going to tell me. Mm. Yeah, I said, I do. Why? I said, because the boss said you're fired. That's how I got fired. <laughs> no, 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 he said. A group of us Irish-Americans didn't like what you were up to, what you were saying, you were disgracing us, and so on. So we put pressure on the owners who were, uh, I knew they were Irish-American too. So we told them that if they didn't fire you, we were going to withdraw our support. That's how you got fired. Oh, I said, very kind of you, I must say. And uh, he said, yeah, that's how it happened. So he said, uh, will you have a drink? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, I said. He said, what do you have? I said, I'll have... Uh, I'll have a triple Jameson. Okay, he said. Give this man a triple Jameson. So he says, I said, and I threw it in his face. Fucking waste of whiskey. <laughs> it was the best with great feeling, you know, to be able to do that. Yeah. Don't fuck yourself, <laughs> right wing fucker. Fair play to you. Yeah. Play. <laughs> Did you ever knock into Orson Welles at all? In, in no, the, I didn't. No. no, I was just reading a book, uh, an interview with Orson Welles, and he said, and he, in it he says, "I hate the Irish Americans." Oh, he yeah. says the Irish are great in Ireland; they're they're great when they go to England. Yeah, but but something happens to them. I say he's he's he's. Joking, but yeah, facetious. But, uh, he was working at the uh, Abbey. Yeah, he worked yeah, in the Abbey. Yeah, he got a job. I think it was uh, who was it? Kevin, Michael McLeamore gave him work. Yeah, yeah, it was a very. He said actually in that he said, uh, I said to Michael McLeamore one day, is it? Can you describe the Irish in one word? And Michael McLeamore said malice. <laughs> Such is a weird reply, but. Yeah, he was, uh, I was, uh, I think with McLeamor, he was talking about, <laughs> yeah, the thing about uh, describing sinful city on Sodom and Bigora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so then did you start writing then later in your 30s? Or I, no, 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 I didn't, uh, um, I, I didn't write till I was 60s. Oh, really? 60s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, my whole thing was... was even, uh, like, writing for yourself or anything? Poetry or anything? Or? No, no, no. I was no. mostly doing acting and mm. uh, saloon-keeping and ra radio, a lot of radio work and that mm. kind of stuff. No, I never thought about writing. No, and what happened to me was uh, I didn't write until Frank wrote Angela's Ashes. Oh, right. Yeah, there was no... Uh, I had no aspirations in that, in that direction at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but when he... Uh, and then a guy came to me and said, you must have a book on YouTube. So right. I said, okay. Yeah. 
Oh, off I went. So that was when that started. Right. So but then I did. Uh, so it was just the acting you were doing, and were you? Did you tour around the country, or was it just in New York? Well, Frank and myself wrote a, a play uh, mm. called A Couple of Black Girls, which is still going, going strong. Yeah. And uh, it, um, we we toured with that. Yeah. And around the, the United States. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did it in Limerick too, and we did it on. Uh, we did it on a couple of cruise ships. So we oh, did yeah? It, yeah. We did it. And, and it's been done in Australia and New Zealand and various other places, yeah. Right, OK. So it, uh, that goes OK. But it, uh, uh, so anyway, the acting, and uh, that was what kept me going. I d- and I did a lot of commercials as well. Yeah. And I did all these soap operas. I did Ryan's Hope. I was on that for the soap opera person. I did that for seven years. Mm. And, uh, what, what? When was this now? This was in the 70s, 70s. and 80s, yeah. And then they had another one, All My Children, A One Life to Live, and Search for Tomorrow. So that was pretty, they all, I did pretty good on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever knock into the Clancy brothers when they were around? I know the Clancy's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Tommy Mick. Well, as a matter of fact, um, again, you know, the connections there. Amazing. Now I'm, I'm not at all a singer, but uh, I was doing, um, I was doing a play uh, by by Paul Vincent called Shadow and Substance, mm. and that ran for quite you know eight or nine months. But uh, Liam Clancy and myself were two uh, we played uh, two two curates <laughs> in that play. So anyway, one night Liam said to me, he said, "My brothers and myself." Paddy and Tom and a guy named Mick and we're going to form a group, a singing group, and we'd like you to join us. And I said, well, I don't sing, Liam. He said, listen, neither do we. So anyway, he said, we're going to do it mm-hmm. and do some of the rebel songs and so forth. So he said, would you like to join us? I said, certainly. Mm-hmm. And so we, um, he said, we're, we're going to record at midnight on Thursday, I think it was Thursday. And, and, and a place in the village, Greenwich Village. So mm. I said, okay. So um, we'll go down there. So okay. My uh, my then my first wife. We were we were we were we were not married then. We were engaged. That was it, I think. Anyway, uh, so I said, she hadn't arrived. She was going to come, so she hadn't arrived. So I told Liam, go ahead. And I will join you down at the down at the village. So uh, the first wife was a bit very particular about makeup, you know, plucked eyebrows and oh, shit, <laughs> fucking crazy. It's taken about three weeks to get ready to come off. Mm. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. So finally, she arrives about uh, quarter to one a.m. and I am fit to be tied. I said, we have to ride it. Then I realized I had never gotten the address of the studio where we were supposed to record. <laughs> and of course, there was no such thing as cell phones, or I didn't know the name of the studio or right. anything. So here I am. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Here I am. So you would have been on that recording. Yeah, for that. yeah. <laughs> uh, I would, yeah. That first, yeah. So that would have been. But I don't know what what would have happened, you know. Yeah. But they're all dead. Yeah. Every one of them, they all died of cancer. Yeah. Jeez. That's all. 
you know what I always strikes me? How did they get up on stage wearing iron jumpers under the lights oh, yeah. and not die yeah. of the heat? I know, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a good gimmick, though. Yeah, yeah, it looked and good. It distinguishes them from everybody yeah. else. That was a whole new uh, breakout of... Because uh, there was only a couple of songs that were popular, Irish popular at yeah. the time. Irish Soldier Boy and... Yeah, I'll take you home again, Kathleen. And yeah, Danny Boy, which everybody they all sing. Mm. And so, did you have a? How long were you drinking for then? You drank up until your. Oh yeah, I I uh, yeah, I was pretty heavy on the booze. Mm. I uh, got sober in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, and that was. Uh, it was an interesting metamorphosis, I think is the word. Uh, I'd gone, we went, I went over with Frank to Ireland, to Limerick, and uh, to do the couple of blackguards at the Bell Table the Theatre. Mm. Do you know in Limerick? Yes, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've performed there. Yeah. Did you? I yeah. imagine you would have, yeah. Yeah, it's lovely. So anyway, it was the old Coliseum. So we were... So there was this thing of... Strange. I don't know how to put it, but I think my uh, my resentment of Limerick and the snobbery and the humiliations we suffered was still festering inside. Yeah. And I, and getting rid of that anger has been my one of my missions in life. Is it because if somebody can make you angry, they got power over you, and I'm trying to divest myself of that kind of power, mm. divest them of the power. So I went over there and I'm saying, I'm saying, you know, this is something you could say, I'll fucking show you, despite what you did to us, we're doing well and we did grand and blah, 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 blah. Because the government failed us, the church failed us, Charity institutions failed us, the education failed all, all the major institutions failed us mm. and left us kind of bereft and, 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 and adrift. And I was going to show them and so on, I'm fucking drinking and going to blah. And of course, all those, all those who did those things, the, the persona, they're all, they're all dead by this time. Gone. And there was no, everybody was saying, well, welcome home, nice to see you. So, so there's nobody to be angry with. Right. Fuck, <laughs> man, with my enemies. I need them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So anyway... Um, but do you think it was the anger that was making, was making you drink? Or? Um, I, well, I don't know. I'm an alcoholic, so I mean, whatever it is. It's it's your father was. You know? yeah, yeah. So that's it. I mean, it's a, it's a fact, whatever. I, I mean, I could find out why, I suppose. But mm. the fact is that it, 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 it cracked my first marriage. Yeah. and uh, made my life a misery in so many ways. And so uh, my life changed when I stopped. So how did you stop? You just, huh? You just stopped? Well, no, I went to, I went to AA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, been, I've been sober in almost 30 years. I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah. But it's... Uh, so anyway, I came back and I was feeling awful. And uh, so I went to see... Uh, position and he said well you're drinking too much 
you're smoking too much and you're eating too much. Uh-huh. So we hear what we want to hear. Oh, I'm eating too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started on, oh, maybe I should go on a diet or something. Then I realized this is fucking nonsense. You're a, an alcoholic. Yeah. So I went to the program and got sober. And then in about a year, I stopped smoking. And food is still a problem, but not as not as bad. So... So that was it. And that was it. You never relaxed. Her and you, no, I was very lucky that way. Mm. Very lucky. Yeah, and I've travelled a lot. And uh, no, I never. I haven't had a drink now. The last drink was uh, July twenty second, nineteen eighty four. So remember it. Do you remember it? <laughs> I do. Yeah. It was a. Uh, it's actually a pint in Limerick that I had. Yeah. But what's very funny, Joe. Not too long ago, they had a, a campaign here for Guinness. Yeah. And everything was brilliant. You know, we did all cartoon characters, two cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. So I got one of the voices, you know, and people said to me, well, you're supposed to be sober, and here you are, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, I don't drink it. I, these cartoon people do, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, so, and also... I say, Guinness is a very philanthropic company. They've given me back all the poker money I spent over the years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's all. What can you do? Very you know? well. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, listen, Malky, thanks a million for talking to me. This should, I, if I edit this together, I'll send it. I'll send it. Oh, thank you very much, over to you. I um, really enjoyed you the other night. You really are. Brilliant. Ah, thanks. Absolutely brilliant. Thanks a lot. The way you just got those threads and wove all that tapestry of, uh, of humour and comedy and of uh, humanity. It's really terrific. You really are very creative. Are you writing? Uh, no, I've written uh, for TV. I've written, uh, I did a sitcom called Killing a Scully. I was acting in it and then I started writing for it as well. Yeah. Because I'd done, I did five yeah. series and on the yeah. on the fourth series I, I wrote one episode and gave it to them and they liked it. Yeah. So yeah, I've written, but I've not written books as such. I've written um, scripts. Yeah. Scripts. Yeah. I write scripts every, all, and I shoot them myself yeah. and stuff. But it's, it's I, I, and for stand up I don't really write I just write down the odd word and idea and then develop it on stage uh, yeah. and see what works well, that's and a, change it it's not really written down you know that's very good yeah I enjoyed the other night yeah and I, hopefully I'll come back I'd love to come back again now I'm doing the Milwaukee Irish Festival in August so are you are there, yeah. that's, a, that's a good one have you been to that one yeah yeah, yeah. That's, 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 matter of fact that was the last time I saw yeah. The last time I saw Tommy Makeham, yeah. Oh, I just yeah. was out there. Uh, one of my books was published, I think, and so I went out. Yeah. Did uh, <laughs> some of them. I was, uh, I thought, how long ago was that? That was Bush. That was Bush, yeah. So I went after him, and some of the, the more respectable types are all, all corporate. They're certainly saying things like that about Mr. Bush. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I said, I, I said, we need more trees and less bushes. They took, <laughs> they took exception. 
yeah, yeah. This is fair yeah. play to you. The very, very sensitive people. Yeah. Is that your quote? Huh? Is that your quote? Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, well, I see that everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Well, fair play to oh, you, because yeah. we, we need people like you to speak out. Yeah, there was... Uh, yeah. What was it? I was... Uh, I was uh, I, one of the. I was thinking about how, when I was on the air, and uh, there was one night when Nixon uh, was. It, he was. The, the, the people were getting very close to this whole Watergate thing and finding out about him, mm. and so, so the Archibald Cox was the guy who was the, uh, who was the special. Uh, investigator of this and so Nixon didn't like that he was getting close so he told the Attorney General to fire him uh, Richardson Richardson said no I can't do that and he resigned so then he's deputy he, Nixon told him Ruckless Houses he's, they told him fire Archibald Cox and he wouldn't do it so finally got the Solicitor General he fired so mm. I was on the air that night, and we had uh, those days. We had we didn't have the, the computers, but we had teletype or blah, 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 coming out. All the shit's coming up. I couldn't believe. I, I I was almost rendered speechless by this. And so when you're on radio, of course you can't do juggling or a soft shoe. You have to keep talking. Yeah. Nothing else works. You know, R wiggling your eyebrows won't do any good. <laughs> Yeah. And so anyway, um, so I said, well, uh, well, now that um, Richard Nixon has fired Archibald Cox and Richardson has gone, Rockefeller has gone, and where I come from, um, getting fired is called getting the sack. And I said, which makes Richard Nixon a cocksacker. <laughs> <laughs> and Brilliant. it's that kind of thing that you, I guess, uh, Jesus, did I say that? <laughs> Very and then I said, I said, oh, I had a bowel movement, you know. <laughs> <laughs> fucking management went crazy. Yeah. And suspended me and so on. So that was, uh, that got around then, you know. I saw that on, uh, on bumpers. Yeah. Uh, bumper stickers and so forth. That's brilliant. Yeah. So that was 1972, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, when you're, as you know, when you're, uh, you get get up there and you're, you're in the corner. Well, now what am I going to say? Now what am I going to do? Just talking off the cuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there yeah. it was. Yeah. That's that's. But anyway, that was part of the deal. Tremendous stuff to come up with. It. So there, and there's the the adventures, the misadventures, and how words can get you in trouble, mm -hmm. and all of that, and. Uh, how and also, but how? What I'm always telling my kids and other kids is just read, 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 because you never know where they're going to come in, where a word is going to. Mm. I that's uh, say so, you know that biblically the uh, it is said in the Bible that uh, and I love fiction. That's why I read it. It. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it says in the beginning was the word mm. and I say in the beginning was the word 
but first came the Irish. So I took it, you know, and I don't know what the first word was. Shit, fuck, what have I done? Chris, <laughs> <laughs> good, good yeah. Christ. <laughs> no, that's your son. <laughs> but that, that is it about, uh, about words, that it, it's, it is, you know, the power of them, you know, and yeah. how they affect, how people, words affect people. And, and you can, you can, people get so upset about Fuck. Right. Mm. Two words in the English language that uh, that I do not ever use, uh, I can avoid it, you know. Hate and kill. Right. But fuck. Let's just say I mean, fuck. What, and what they, is that? Yeah. yeah. Banal, idiotic, meaningless word. Yeah. And they go through the fuck. I don't even say it on television. Mm. It's a half million. Mm. Fine. If you say fuck. I was a member Bono. Got his uh, Grammy Award. Yeah. He holds it up and goes, Fucking brilliant. Right. <laughs> $300,000 they were fined. Yeah? Because he said, Fucking brilliant. Jeez. Yeah, it's it is. A, it's a bizarre. The hypocrisy of it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, sex is the big no no on TV. And yeah. Yes, war and violence is yeah, fine. Yeah, murder. Yeah. Murder. <laughs> yeah. Murder. yeah. 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 So I want so. to give you uh, a copy of Blackguards and yourself, uh, okay? Yeah, brilliant. Okay. Thanks, Malachi, and thanks a lot for for uh, letting me It was great to meet you. Thank you. That was, a, yeah, that was a really memorable chat. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. He's just a great man. And if you want to find out more about him, he's got a memoir called A Monk Swimming, Malachi McCord. His, uh, there's a book of the uh, play that he toured with Frank McCord called A Couple of Blackguards. And he's also got a uh, light-hearted daily reflections for people in recovery, and that's called Harold Be Thy Name, because he's a recovering alcoholic. And it's a light-hearted... Um, help I suppose if you're uh, in recovery and uh, I'd like to thank Bruce Igar again for for putting on that show in uh, Manhattan in the Village Underground and for arranging the interview with Maliki Uh, it it was uh, out of the blue I didn't think this was going to happen and it was just brilliant to do that while I was in New York um, and it was just fantastic. So yeah, uh, and if you want, I'm I'm doing some gigs coming up. Uh, I don't know when this is going out, but uh, I'll be doing. If you're in the UK in the city of Bath, I'll be there on the third and fourth of April in the St James Wine Vaults. Uh, I'm also gigging with Whose Lines at Anyway in on the fifteenth of April in Roisin Dove and in the Laughter Lounge on the sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth of. April. You can find all the details at www.joerooneycomedian.com. Next week, I'm interviewing Steve Wall of The Walls and The Stunning. And um, look forward to that. So thanks for listening and see ya. Bye. Being a 
parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. 